106 years ago, uh, in 1915, um, when, oh, it's probably, uh, um, the second uh, year of the First World War, when already millions of people were dead, in a war that claimed over 20 million lives and where another 20 million or more people were injured. Albert Einstein published a critique of something that was called Christian nationalism. And uh, he published it in Germany, uh, in the country of his birth. He argued that the problem with hateful Christians is their departure from Christianity. It ends with the beautiful words translated from German, yet why so many words when I can say it all in a single sentence? And indeed, in a sentence that is most apt for me as a Jew. Honour your master, Jesus Christ, not only with words and songs, but rather foremost through your deeds. The antidote to misguided Christians is Christianity. What Christians do is they channel the love of God in their actions, in their deeds. James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's ineffective. It will not save. It will not result in a right relationship with God or eternal life. Now, often sermons on this passage deal only with the apparent conflict between the clear statement of the importance of action and the teaching of Paul in passages like this. Romans 3:28. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And in Romans 4, 5, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So God's verdict of not guilty at the beginning of our Christian lives that carries all the way through our life is by faith alone, with nothing else commending us to God. Paul is saying we trust God's free grace to forgive us and acquit us and count us righteous before him because of the work of Christ. And isn't that a wonderful truth? What, what a wonderful God that he would do for us that we can't do for ourselves. No wonder we want to praise him and thank him. His grace is sufficient for us all and, and everyone in Glebe and everyone in the world. But faith alone, saved. No works, no faith, not saved. What to do? Well, I don't think it's difficult. When we look at what James actually says, I think it's clear that there's no contradiction. I'll do that shortly and spare you the 20 pages of close textual analysis I read in one commentary or the many books and articles that have been written on this over many centuries. 
This is not to think lightly of people who have a difficulty uh, with these uh, two views, but I just don't think that it makes any sense for me to make a problem of something that I don't think is a problem. I will deal with the apparent contradiction, but today I don't want to ignore another fundamental question that we find asked in this passage, which we could easily do if we only looked at the Paul James thing. It is a question that is there for us every day for the rest of our lives. What am I going to do today? Each morning that question confronts us uh, with uh, perhaps another. Given what I have to do today, how am I going to do it? With what attitude and with what effect? What are we going to do today? And may I say, so far so good. You are in church or, or listening to this. You are praising God. You are supporting each other and building this church as a fellowship of faith. And that's undoubtedly a good thing, a, a good work, an act of love. Or you are exploring what your life may be like if you accepted Jesus, accepted his offer of love. And that's a good thing to do as well. But what are you going to do tomorrow morning? What are you going to do on Friday? And, and what are you going to do with the rest of your life? The question is always there. We should not be put off by the reference in the passage to helping people with their physical needs and helping a brother or sister who needs food or more clothing. It is possible to read this and think we should all be working in health services or charities or food banks. But James's focus is on doing good. And that covers a whole range of things like caring for needy people, caring for children, building a safe and effective economy as a lawyer, a banker or a builder, collecting tax so governments can provide services, collecting garbage, being a teacher, checking on your neighbours and working in a shop. It's not just health and emergency services uh, that is on, in focus here, but every action, paid or unpaid, that cares for God's creation and other people, meeting their needs. And these are included in the actions James commends. And without them, are we really all in with Jesus? This passage does not mean that we have to be on the go all the time, up before dawn doing deeds, wandering out into the street just before we go to bed to see if there's just one more good deed we can do for the day. James, James knew as well as any New Testament author that Jesus had set his followers free, free from sin, free from the guilt and death, and free from any sense that this freedom, this salvation, depended upon God's judgment on the things we do each day. As if, if we don't do enough, he will give up on us. There is no guilt, no judgment, no heavenly score or checklist, but a call to live out our faith, to live out our salvation, won by Christ on the cross, to respond to God's grace 
with action, with deeds, with good works. James was engaging with some people who were grappling with the question, how can we be saved? They may have been asking James questions that Paul would later pose in some of his letters. The ones I have already mentioned, and in Galatians, which I'll mention a little bit later, and in Ephesians. Oops, that's a little bit too far away. There we go. Um, Where Paul demonstrates that it's by grace through faith. Works are excluded as the basis of salvation. Otherwise, people could boast about what they've done. Salvation by grace through faith highlights the amazing and comforting truth that salvation is the Lord's work, not ours. Paul would probably write these letters somewhat later than James wrote. But the early Jewish Christians may have been dealing with the same issues. And perhaps they had even been thinking and saying that all they needed was to say the right words. And they would be right with God. That saying those right words would make them righteous in the eyes of God. Rather a a lot of ink and blood has been spilt over the centuries on this question. Are we justified, made right with God, by faith, or are we justified by works? The Reformation was about a number of things, including corruption and an unbiblical view of the church, but at its heart was this salvation question about faith and works. For many years, Martin Luther, one of the people who really kicked off the Reformation, Uh, and carried it through its first 25 years, hated the book of James. He referred to it as a a letter of straw, a right strawy epistle. Uh, But in his later years, he was reconciled to it when he understood what James was actually saying here, which was not to say we can earn our salvation, but simply a saving faith is evident in what we do. As I said, I think you, uh, if you read this passage a few times, you get a pretty good idea of what James is saying. There must be faith, but fine words of faith are not enough. Fine words say only that someone can speak fine words, not who they are and what they believe. But we have many sayings that capture this idea All sizzle, no sausage. Show us the money. Fine words, butter, no parsnips. That's one of my favourites. We we talk about the rubber hitting the road, the proof of the pudding being eaten in the eating, and another favourite of mine, all hat and no cattle. We're used to making distinctions between people who talk the talk and those who walk the walk. And all that is what James is talking about here. Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And James says, not that one does not need faith, but faith is shown by how it is lived out. He starts by saying, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
James starts with faith. And that's absolutely essential to his understanding of our relationship with God. But, but it's faith that is shown by actions, not just words. If we marry, we make certain promises. But both my wife and I know what type of husband I am by the way I keep those promises, by what I do. And that is consistent with what, what Paul would write. For example, in Galatians 5, 6, Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus neither... Oops, I'm going too fast. No. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. The, the old law given through Moses was a good gift from God. But but keeping it wouldn't in itself make you right in the eyes of God. It's whether you loved God and showed that love in the way that you uh, responded to him and the way that you responded to other people. Notice carefully what Paul says. What counts with God? Faith. But what kind of faith? Faith that works through love. He does not say that what counts with God is faith with just a a layer of loving works added to faith. He says that what counts with God is the kind of faith that by its nature produces love. It is that type of faith that gives us our right standing with God. The love that comes from it only shows that it is in fact a real, living, saving faith. And that's what James is saying. Paul talks about love, James talks about love. They're on the same page, it's the same message. James engages directly with the words Jews would have been familiar with. The Shema, as we heard in our first Bible reading, was said daily by devout Jews. The Lord, the Lord is one. They would say that every day. And James says, even demons believe that. Why should demons shudder? Because they say it and they know it's the truth, but they don't repent and live lives of obedience to the one true God. Their actions do not match what they know. They do not love as someone who loves Jesus, loves. In effect, James says that faith without deeds, without works of love, is no faith at all. And did you notice that in Deuteronomy 6, the words that came immediately after the Shema were these. So, a statement of faith, and then love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Faith leads to action. It did back in the days of Moses, it did in the time of James and Paul, and it does today. James gives the examples of Abraham and Rahab, as we saw in our series on Abraham and Sarah. Abraham showed his devotion to God by listening to him and then doing as he said and taking his family to the land we now know as Israel, and by being prepared to sacrifice his beloved son 
if that is what God wanted. And Rahab, a prostitute, is considered virtuous by helping God's people as they were trying to escape from Jericho. It's what they did that mattered. And that is what showed their faith. James concludes this passage by saying, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. As as I said, he's not saying we can earn our salvation. We can't impress God or put him in our debt. But when we know and trust him, we feel compelled to do something to show that trust. Acts of love flow out of us. A purely intellectual faith is no faith at all. James doesn't define what faith is. To look for definitions is a modern way of thinking. James showed up by his own life what faith looked like, as we see in the book of Acts. And we also saw it in the opening chapter of this letter. If you remember, I spent a little bit of time talking about the faith that we see in James. James believed in a God who is generous, all-powerful and creating, a God who listens and answers and is merciful and gives us new birth into eternal life. And we show faith in, what, in that by how we live. We value the life he's given us. We value eternal life he offers us. We try to resist temptation because we trust that God knows what is good for us. We pray because we know he will listen. We value him over the things of this world. And James will have a number of other suggestions on how we are to act out our faith, as we'll see over the coming weeks. But now I'd like to think about what we do with this call to live out our faith. What we should do when we wake up with that question, what am I going to do today? First, I think we need to see that these are words of encouragement, not words that should sow or fertilise seeds of doubt about the genuineness of our faith. There is an opportunity for genuine reflection and discussion, but I don't think the response James was looking for from his audience was to be consumed by doubts about whether we're doing enough to show we have faith. If, If it matters to you, about whether you have enough faith. You have enough faith because you trust God and that's what he he wants. And if you're asking that question, you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. Faith is not measured by the hours we spend doing good works or how many rosters we're on or how many people we care for. It's it's engaging with God and then thinking about what that means for us. There have always been people who work their guts out for the church, put their hand up for every task, but not out of a joy or a commitment to the cause, but to prove something, perhaps to God, perhaps to themselves, perhaps to others. That's not what James is looking for here. The starting point is not more action, but getting to know and trust God. To know he is good and wants good for us. And ease in alongside him and join him in his plans to bless our families, the people around us, the people we work with, and the people wider afield. 
Over time, we, uh, we, we act out of genuine affection for God and the sense that this is how God wants me to live my life. That's, that's what maturity is, Christian maturity. Knowing who God is and knowing that each day you're walking with him. In our hearts, we... If in our hearts we don't love and trust God, actions won't help. They won't cover up a lack of faith. We need to ask God for his help, remembering what James says, that God will help without finding fault. If we feel superior because of what we do and better than the people who appear to do very little, we need to repent and, and start over again. And I really mean that, start again, start from the very basics if we think that we're better because of what we do. Remember the parable that Jesus told of a Pharisee who stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And Jesus contrasts that Pharisee with a tax collector who stood at a distance. The tax collector would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me as a sinner. And we are to be like the repentant tax collector, not the Pharisee. And there may be some times when we do practically nothing. Our hearts are so low. We're barely holding on. And James is not saying to those struggling in life or in their faith, that's not good enough. No action, no faith. These are words of encouragement to hold on to and let God work through us. Draw on the faith he gives us and do what we can on any day when we wake and say, what am I going to do today? And how am I going to do it? And... Please, God, help me. Second, and there are a couple of things I'm going to say, they're quite short. Second, as I have already suggested, we should recognise the works and deeds of different Christians may take many different forms. Just down the road at Christ Church St Lawrence at Central Station, they spend a great deal more time and money on their ritual music and decoration than we do. And they get criticised by some for it, criticised for their bells and smells, which some see as an unnecessary distraction from the primary task of evangelising the lost of Sydney, which itself is a very worthy cause. But as far as I can see, their ceremonies, music and artistic flourishes are there not to provide sterile formulaic worship, words without meaning, but as a genuine expression of their love of God and a way of building a church that does a lot to help the homeless people around Central Station. More and more as their faith pours out in love. So we need to look below the surface to see the way our different actions reflect our faith. And we should cherish our ministries here like Gap and Scarred Tree, Playgroups, School Scripture and Deadly Warriors, as we express our faith in God 
the God who inspires us to love in these ways. And third and finally, James does not give us these words so that we can judge people who say they are Christians. God reserves to himself the task of assessing whether our faith is genuine. We can judge each other's actions. Both Jesus and Paul say that we should do that so we can encourage people to be faithful and obedient. But we're not to use that judgment to say whether someone is saved or not. Oh, they're not a Christian. I've been critical of the decisions of some of our politicians who claim to be Christians. But I'm not going to say that any one of them is not a Christian, because that's not my role. I can judge their actions, but not their faith. And I can encourage them to seek the good of everyone in need. So there are just some suggestions on how to work with these words of encouragement from James. To start each day thinking of how we live out our faith this day. What good will we try and do? And even if the tasks that lay ahead of us are mundane and not particularly inspiring, doing them in a way that lifts others. And as Baz said last week, doing it without favouritism. And when we have time or make time, doing things that we don't have to do to survive, but do make someone else's life better. For that is love. And it's the type of love that reflects a faith that pleases God. So please stand and join in in your hearts this next uh, song, which um, really speaks about the way that when we build our life on Jesus, on rock, uh, on Jesus the rock, we can do a lot of good. Thank you. Please hum loud.